everybody. My name is Renu Gulati. I'm speaking from Rishikesh, which is um, North India at the foothills of the Himalayas. Um, born and brought up in the UK, studied as a lawyer and now an Ayurveda practitioner, come lawyer. And um, today, um, and I also run a women's empowerment organization by the name of Stri, which means woman. And we empower women, um, both in terms of giving them employment and skills, but also in the way of education. And so today our topic is going to be women's empowerment. And um, my guest today is Shireen Lovegrove, who, whom I've known for several decades, I think. Um, <laughs> as long as that? <laughs> yeah, no, we sound old, don't we? <laughs> so um, so uh, she is also works in the area of healing and um, women's empowerment. And um, um, maybe uh, Shireen could introduce herself a little bit more. Hello. Hi. Gosh, it's been a really long time since we actually really were together. And I think it was really through Gowrie, wasn't it? It was through Gowrie. Yeah. Yeah. Martha, with, and, I, and I think probably more in the fact that I was doing creative healing at the time, yeah. which was a, a part of that. And that was really based for helping empower mothers to have a good birth. Yeah. So that's so right from the very start where you've had this journey of women's empowerment, even though you may not have even been aware of it. That's right. Which is so yeah. good. So, uh, yeah. Uh, how do I introduce myself? Well, I'm the author of this book, which is Hiding in Plain Sight. I have been working as a therapist, as a, as a health therapist for, for well, pretty much since 1997, originally starting predominantly doing hypnotherapy um, and NLP kind of based stuff. Previously, I was a nurse in intensive care and midwifery. So my whole journey has been healing. And more recently, I then went to university um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a later person yes and a material woman <laughs> and I did my psychology degree then and then went on to do my cognitive neuroscience and that really gave me a deeper insight into women and I know that we're all women and I know that I've worked with women a lot but it really gave me an insight into a lot of the struggles women have and what makes women um, yeah probably not move out in the world as efficiently as they can Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, how, how, and when did your interest in uh, working with women come about? I mean, I know you did midwifery. Um, yeah. yeah. Was it well, you know, strangely enough, when I started writing the book, I, you know, which is called hiding in plain sight, no more. Part of it was because I was struggling to actually promote a previous book that I had right. <laughs> a previous book, which was about losing weight. Right. And I kind of felt like an imposter, despite the fact that I know lots of hundreds of people write books and they definitely don't probably didn't even know as much knowledge as I did, but right. I still felt like this imposter. And so when I, you know, I, I always, you know, as a midwife, I always loved working with women. And um, what happened was I, I, there was a pattern that was running every time I worked with women, every time I, I you know, I was with a mum, a prospective mum, I would always be thinking about, and I would always talk about how this polarity is between sons and daughters, right. how the world is structured that we, um, that very often we treat our daughters differently from our sons. Right. 
And I would always be trying to give some awareness there. Mm. I didn't understand deeply enough about it. I thought it was just about power struggles. But actually, when I went to university, you know how they say the universe works for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it always does. I ended up doing my course, which I was going to do forensic psychology. And what happened was we, the forensic psychology, I thought, oh, cool, CSI. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen. I ended up doing something which was all about um, health, uh, what was the word I've got? Sex workers. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, what are we doing sex workers for? We're doing, you know, this doesn't make sense. And then because I'm quite a pragmatic person, I could have gone and done genetics, which I really wanted to do if I wasn't going to do this. But, you know, there was a part of me that said, you know, there's something you're selling, you're selling women out if you don't really take away a lot of the the, the negativity you might have had about it. Right. And what happened was I started to see how women make choices in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And, and really, uh, it was, and, and it was wonderful that the person was there because she was really talking about that women make choices. Yeah. yeah. And in general, there are many sex workers that are, that are empowered. And mm-hmm. how do you empower them? And yeah. that really gave me a sense of how society structures around women and how that disempowers women. And have so, you studied um, women's empowerment in relation to other cultures or more in relation to Western cultures? Although well, it probably was more in relation to Western cultures. But to be really honest, when you look at um, behavior in the form of how we all evolved yeah. Um, yeah. and how we, you know, we moved from being probably not so much... Um, uh, in the animal world, but we moved more into conscious thinking beings and creating societies. Yeah. What happened? We still brought our biology with us. Yeah. And that biology meant that we would naturally be the gatherers. We would naturally be in the earliest societies. Men didn't even live in yeah. within the close proximities. They they were out hunting, and they kind of, sort of came in and out. Yeah. But the women were the ones that were in the clan and they were the ones that brought up the children and they were the ones that did all the things that involved, you know, the feeding and and the nurturing, those kinds of very, very important skills. And what often, what it meant then is that you had a situation where there was a different relationship in the way women related to women Mm -hmm. because they're now in a culture they had to learn how to communicate and to anticipate and to be outward referenced, to know mm-hmm. how to sit, fit in an order. Yeah. Men didn't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> men didn't have to do that. And it was really interesting. And very often men would compete to have a mate. Yeah. So yeah. you have all of that paradigm going on. So I think there's a basic fundamental structure, how, how humans evolve. And then how, how women are is then heavily influenced by society, the society mm-hmm. they're living in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, every society will have certain constraints on women in different ways. Yeah. And that, that, that's what it's about. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so when we talk about the term women's empowerment, I mean, for a lot of people, it conjures up like feminism and, and stuff like that. But, you know, my belief is that women's empowerment is to bring out, you know, one's innate uh, feminine potential, you know, yeah. to not, not mm. to convert oneself into a man. Because as you said, you know, we, we are biologically different you know, two men. So what does women's empowerment mean to you? Because here in India, you know, women are very much like women, but they are not bringing out their innate potential. They're not trying to, to be men. You know, the women that I work with yeah. on a grassroots level. So I need to work with them in a way that they can bring out their innate potential without bringing out too much yang, without bringing too much of the yeah. Yeah, yeah. masculine energy out, which is what tends to happen when we hear the mm. word women's empowerment. So how do you, how do you view that? Yeah, I guess, I guess there's, there's certain things. And I suppose what's really important is that is first, and, and I'll probably make it really clear, is that when we learn a new model, so when we kind of move out into our space in the world and we, we move into a masculine world, we feel that that's the model we've got to have. Yeah. Because that's the only model that we know. And we haven't got role models that are helping us learn how to create, create the paradigm that we want because we haven't got a reference point yeah. for that. Yeah. So... Part of it is learning how to really be driven from your core. Yeah. But also to be able to have enough understanding of what is basically fair and unfair and be able to feel confident in that. I think if you, if you as a woman don't understand that your biology yeah. is going to affect how you'll make a decision. Yeah in the automatic part you know we all make decisions in in different ways and sometimes we make decisions where we really think them through and other times we make decisions and they're not they're often based on our past programming yeah. so part of the thing is learning how to create a state where we actually use something called ren which is humanity to right. really bring gentleness and compassion into that aspect because when women become men we do yeah. become aggressive. Yeah, exactly. We become aggressive. We can become unkind. We can become cruel, equally manipulative, yeah, yeah. equally narcissistic. Yeah. So we have to learn to temper that with this compassion and this rent. That doesn't mean that we must that we must um, be a walkover. But what we need to do is to be able to stand still, mm -hmm. to draw in. And to be able to look. So we can use our inner male yeah. and call that aspect, yeah. but we need to expand us. We need yeah. to expand us so yeah. that we create that container that's full of us yeah. rather than try and constrict down that we become more masculine. Yeah. So I try and get women to really expand themselves so they start to feel themselves right to the you know, beyond their body in a way so yeah. that they that they are that they when they connect to maybe the goddess i mean lakshmi is interesting i'm talking about using lakshmi as my as yeah. my model in a way because a lot of women find it quite difficult to actually go and go and sell things i mean we could sell in the market and we can sell yeah. little things but we may not necessarily be able to fit into commerce yeah and we feel a fraud <laughs> Very often. Yeah. But the thing is, 
it's only because we using the wrong kind of language. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about learning how to, how to, how to, how to use the language that fits our model mm. and begin to, 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 to co-create in a different way. So mm. I think for, for me, women's empowerment is one, first of all, really knowing, knowing yourself, knowing yourself deeply, understanding that you're both biology and your biology is going to have a huge effect, yeah. but it's not separate from your, from your socializing. Yeah. So your culture is going to affect those decision-making strategies, but you need to understand that, you know, when you're younger, you're going to be, you know, you see men, you're attracted to them. Yeah. You've got to understand that at the same time, there's a way maybe that you need to relate differently so that you get the right kind of attention that you need. Yeah. yeah. So it's about learning how to get that, how to stand in that centered space mm. and expand you. And then, you know, then you will attract the right kinds of things to you in a way that will allow you to be more of who you are. Mm. Like here in India, as you speak of marriage, it sort of immediately triggered in my mind the, um, the, the tradition of arranged marriages mm. I'm familiar with. And actually, you know, traditionally marriages were marriages of families. They weren't marriages of individuals. So they were, yeah. they were kind of relationships that interconnected families and therefore interconnected societies and countries and so forth. And so there was a whole big, you know, connectivity mm. um, aim behind behind a marriage. It wasn't just like two people falling in love and getting married. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of going out of the window slowly, um, but surely in, in India, and we're seeing um, a bigger divorce rate here. And I wonder sometimes if that's because, I mean, I don't want to blame women because I work for women's empowerment, but, you know, I think it's also, it's to do with the man and the woman, of course, but on the one hand, you know, the woman goes out to work, she feels more powerful, she feels more strong. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you know, the man is used to, especially in Indian culture, a more subservient type of woman, mm. you know, and is yeah. not willing to share the chores. So the woman comes back from work, she has to wash the clothes, she has to feed the children, she has to feed the family, she has yeah. to do the house. You know, my, my lady here has just gone back and she'll have to do, you know, I mean, she's got a family, a grown up family. So they look after her like a goddess. Yeah. Her, name, her name's Lakshmi. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think there are a couple of things and, that, and that's the hard part because I think in India, you've still got so much culture that is so embedded and that makes it really, really, really challenging. But I think that I think there's two things. One is we can't treat women, can't treat men as hairy women. So they do not think in the way that we do. Yeah. We have to learn to navigate that landscape in a different way. Yeah. So women are now going into work, but they haven't learned to navigate the landscape. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. They haven't learned to, you know, I know that when you ask a man a question, most women will ask a question, don't get an answer, ask again, ask again, ask again, ask again, <laughs> ask again. <laughs> and the guy is still waiting to try and answer question number one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because we, we just carry rapidly firing. Yeah. And that's not fair because actually men, they reference into themselves. They refer to themselves. They understand. They, 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 they go, who's the one, you know, when you, when you ask a question, they're already, they've thought about their stuff. 
Yeah. And invariably, you know, they reference from themselves. Yeah. We are more likely to go on hearsay than men. Yeah. Men like to research their stuff generally. Yeah. Women don't, okay? Because we're too busy. Our brain, literally the way we're organized and certainly... And, and, and I know culturally, certainly, we are expecting we grow up being multitaskers, really good multitaskers, yeah. but it can also make us arrogant. Yeah. yeah. So that's the flip side. We yeah. can do a lot of things and we can be very arrogant when someone doesn't respond as fast as us. Yeah. So yeah. now we go into a workplace and we want men to understand us, but actually we haven't taken time to understand them yeah and it's not about making making uh making men you know that we're pushing ourselves out for for, for men what it is is like really recognizing that there are two systems yeah women and men because testosterone and estrogen work very differently in our body and yes we both have them in different levels yeah what we have to do is recognize that that creates different thinking systems. And yeah. when we do that, it opens up a space where you, where, where it's much, much easier to get a relationship to be a little bit stronger, you know, and, and that somebody will actually then take, take um, <laughs> to do some of those chores that you might be wanting, but you have to learn how to ask. Yeah. You have to learn how to ask with not nagging. Yeah. How to ask because men, you know, for, for men, it's about energy conservation. Yeah. They, you know, if you think, even though they don't truly understand, this may not necessarily be the case, but it's about, is it worth me doing this? Well, I, their body is primed for an aggressor. Yeah. Go on, Laurie. Yeah. Yeah. So even though we may think that they're lazy. Yeah. They will, uh, they will want us to ask a couple of times and tell us why and how it will serve us before yeah. they're actually going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's got to be worth the effort. And it's just understanding a few basic little things that can really shift your life, really shift your life mm -hmm. in a very profoundly different way. I mean, you know, I'm very lucky. I have a partner that, that does go and make you know, he did a massive cook recently. So that was very kind. And he just said, oh, you look very busy. I'll go and cook. Okay. And, you know, I'm just really lucky that way. But I think it took effort. It took effort and being able to say, you know what, I can't do this. But mm -hmm. if you do this, this makes it easier for me. And I can be nice to you afterwards. I can, you know, I'll sit down here and I'll do that after. So yeah. it's, there, is a, there is an exchange. Yeah. All they want is you to be happy most of the time yeah but i found in um traditional marriages and manic marriages of like several generations ago that the woman was really in control and this is what the vedic the, the traditional vedic texts intended or understood the mm. woman's psychology or emotional state to be that they, she was actually in control and she was the one that was responsible for understanding male psychology and for, you know, working around that in a very sophisticated way that they didn't even get, you know. And then the marriages were really successful. And I've seen marriages of my, even my parents' generation work like that, where the woman is in control, but it's, it's not apparent at all. Yeah, 
and she, she understands how to work with that man to get I mean this sounds a bit mean but to get what she wants or to get the best for her family. Look, everything is a negotiation yeah. and I, I always say as long as everybody's happy in the process it's not manipulation it can't be yeah, exactly if each get their need met in some way it, it can't be manipulation because yeah. there's a there's an agreement yeah there's an agreement that's being created. And, um, but I think if you can truly understand what that, that's about yeah. and why, as you say in Ayurveda, you know, that they learned, but they learned the language of love. Yeah. They learned the language of love. Yeah. And that's a very different language to um, going out, yeah. being in a job where you're now standing more on your own more and, and you're now thinking more and, and there's nothing wrong with money but we're thinking like a man yeah. and then we're ending up not being congruent with ourselves yeah so you know it's and, and 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 it must be very hard for women in india because they're they're really caught between these two worlds yeah yeah really caught yeah yeah where yeah. we've had hundreds of years now we're, 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 we're in a different space, but it's still, it's still hard. It's still yeah. hard. It's not, yeah. it's a challenge. I mean, but, I always say that India became, what well, people say historically, India became independent of British rule in 1947, um, which is when the British officially left. But actually, I always say India is not independent at all. It's still mm -hmm. governed by Western values, which I'm not saying are bad because I'm, I'm a product of the, those values myself. I grew yeah. up in Western society. But what it means is that, that women, you know, have the tendency to, um, to, to uh, work towards the Western ideal of what a strong woman looks like, yeah. you know, wearing jeans, going out to work, being really strong, you know, and, and not really, and, and sort of nullifying her, her feminine uh, uh, power, which yeah. is the most powerful power in the world as far as the traditions of India yeah. actually go. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the difference is, if you think about it, and I suppose what I've got to think about is female power. I can see my hair's just going crazy over here. <laughs> but female power stems from within, yeah. all right? Stems yeah. from within. When we access information, we access it from deep inside. Yeah. That's where we've got to access our information. But the problem is when we're going out of our, our center, yeah we become more masculine because male male energy is from top down yeah more top down than bottom than bottom up we are more bottom up yeah and it really means that we have and if you think if we if we look at it just from a neuroscience kind of perspective the thought to make a decision a thought doesn't make the decision yeah the feeling makes the decision yeah Okay, so the force or the energy that we experience is what makes the decision. So the feminine power is the force. Yeah. yeah? yeah. So when we work from that space, and, and I do believe, I mean, I think <laughs> if men had to have babies, <laughs> we may not have so many people on the world. Yeah. Or we certainly would have had different kinds of relationships. <laughs> but certainly they would have been full of estrogen, so they would have been like women's. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if we look at it from that perspective, but really it is the fact that we can draw much, much more on our energy. 
Yeah. Because we've already got the well-established neural patterns to take us there. And yeah. that's what makes us powerful. So when we lose that, when we lose that inner knowing, when we lose that ability to connect back to ourselves, yeah. then, we, then, then we lose ourselves. So on a, on a going now moving on to a real really practical note, like when you have sessions, do you yeah. work with women of different classes or do you work with women of a particular class and how do you work with them? Well, so I, I, I basically work, I mean, I work online with women, mainly in, in coaching and I, d I don't particularly have any specific um, class level, but what I'm looking at is, are they in the space where they can do and have the en enough um, inner, inner knowing that they can get to those deep levels? Right. So, because to actually do transformation, you've got to pretty much get down to the base. Yeah. yeah. And you and you have to also be really honest with yourself, and that's not a nice place to go, no. because. We often, our key problem is we sit in judgment of ourselves. Yeah. And although, and although we may be used to being judged in a way by everyone around us for whatever reason, yeah. mm -hmm. when it comes to actually looking at ourselves, we don't want to hear those things. Yeah. But the paradox is when we go there, we hear the things that are so important to hear, which is that we're magnificent. Yes. Yeah. That we're powerful, that we, that we can shift things that we never, never knew that we could do before. Yeah. But the thing is, it takes a huge amount of courage to get there and a huge amount of stability. So most women that will have had children and brought up children and, and being able to be in that space, at least they will have already experienced the, the ability to contain, yeah. the ability to contain themselves enough so that they don't just react when they start to get closer to that center point. Mm. A lot of people really, a lot of women really find that very difficult. And, and younger women, unless we've really kind of put it in right at the very start, um, they're not going to hear those messages as easily. So, the, so more or less women that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, those are the kind of women that I'm probably working with right now. And why Although, do you think the younger women are less likely to... Uh, well, you know, they're so, because, you know, we, our brain goes through different stages, yeah? yeah? And when you're in your early, when you're in your puberties, what's yeah. happening is your brain is kind of a bit scrambled because yeah. it's so neuroplasticity at that time is yeah. just going crazy. Our emotional centers have developed our, well, not our emotional centers, but our hormonal centers and things like that for procreation are developing very, very fast, but our cognitive brain is very slow. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes till you're about 30 before you actually kind of really get this to sandwich well. And most of us at that time, we're very interested in, in being part of something. Mm -hmm. So it's harder to actually go into ourselves and focus on ourselves when there's this other part of us screaming to go and be part of something else. We don't want to be isolated. Yeah. 
Yeah, but on, so, the, on the other hand, we have much more neuroplasticity when we're, when we're younger. So, we do, we do. But you must remember, if your cognitive brain is not, is not matching your emotional brain or the, or the, the hormones at the time, yeah. it can take a lot. It, it, you know, things don't compute necessarily. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when, and, and, and there is evidence to show that, yes, when people are on their own, they're more likely to be very self-referenced, but when they're when they're in a crowd, they're very unlikely to stand against them. So they will want to be, right? and and that is often even adults longer, you know, yeah. older adults will do that too. But it's more likely that as you get to the age of thirty or forty, you're starting to become you. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a difference in, in, and you've already had the struggles of bringing up children or you've already had the struggles of, of having to put, put yourself in that space. Mm-hmm. That's not saying people, women wouldn't be able to do a lot of work if I was doing courses, yeah? Mm-hmm. Because then you would have a group of people doing and looking at the same thing and you would have probably a, rather a mixed group where you're getting feedback along and people wouldn't be alone so but for the coaching mm-hmm. I, I particularly work with women at that level um and uh, uh, right now yeah right. but I talk a lot about the mixing yeah and what kind of practical tools I know as in well pr- pr- probably like in Ayurveda we don't have individualized we have it's all individualized so there's no panacea you know for everybody so yeah. it depends on everyone's situation. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, do you have any particular tools that you can offer generally? Or? Well, I think there are a couple of things. One, I, 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 you know, if, if you, I always say there are three barriers to things going wrong. Okay. So the first one is when your heart and your mind is, is out of coherence. Yeah. So when your thoughts and your feelings are not aligned, when you don't feel comfortable it, you know, when something's happening and you're going, getting this feeling, uh, 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 then you've got to go, what's going on? You have to ask the question. You have to stop and just bring this down here. Because yeah. you can't do anything while your heart is beating and going crazy. Yeah. You, have to, you have to bring your brain into alignment, literally, so that information flows across it. Yeah. yeah. So just generally first thing is you've just got to take those those deep breaths and just slowly breathe out i mean obviously but if you think about that knowledge you can't do anything if you're in out of coherence if you're out of alignment in any way this is just you've just got to bring your head to your heart and you've got to look and say this is for me right now how can i compassionately work through this and you just need to ask the question because the moment you've brought that attention down to your heart, what will happen is your heart rate just comes straight down and you bring your cognitive brain online. Yeah. So it's a cognitive process that you work with more? Well, I work with both. I bring, if you're bringing the head into the heart, you're trying to embody some sort of wisdom. Yeah. yeah? So you want to, when you bring it into the heart, you want them to re- people to reference and feel the changes in their body. You want them to feel the expansion because the moment you feel yourself expanding, you sink in, you yeah. sink in, you lean in and you get more information. Mm-hmm. 
So that's that's the first thing that I would always say. And and you know, there are many people doing mindfulness and and doing that, but it really is that moment of noticing. I think it's the point of awakening, the point of notice yeah. is that you're feeling this discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most, I think that's pivotal. If you don't feel that discomfort you're, and, and things are wrong, then you're asleep mm. and you need to find a way to activate that discomfort yeah. so that it alerts you because our brain is primed to be alerted to danger, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. alerted to something that's going to affect us. So just by doing that and then just not seeing it as a threat, but just go, okay. And then the second one is to know, as you said, our brain is highly plastic. It wants to change, yeah. but it loves to stay the same. Yeah. That's the paradox. It yeah. loves to stay the same. Yeah. So it's really about looking at how can you motivate yourself every day in a way that will allow you to take one step. You know, transformation is never in an in, in, in aha moment. Transformation is when we do a step by step by step by step, yeah. and we grow new neurons. We grow a new us, yeah. yeah, literally. So to do that, and I've been focusing a little bit on that right now, and I talk a lot about it, is enthusiasm. How do you look to see your why or your enthusiasm in this approach? So if I'm meditating, my mind's wandering. I'm thinking. To, I, I I just go okay. So what's the purpose of the meditation? Yeah. Oh, the purpose is so that I can connect to my soul. Why is that? What's, the, what's important about that? Okay, gives me this. Okay, yeah. then you're focusing in again. And if your mind wanders again, you go, why am I here? <laughs> and you just keep doing that until you get to a space where you kind of are not wondering anymore so much. So it's recognizing that you have to do something practical because when we first change, we get excited. Yeah. But then, you know, excitement changes because our brain is designed to be active, to look for new things, to, you know, yeah. that's what it does. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily want to take so much energy to make the, the network. To, to yeah. make, <laughs> it doesn't want to do that. It's, you know, it, it, yeah. So, so transformation requires step-by-step -step approach. It means the ignition and how do you keep lighting the match, basically? Yeah. yeah. And then the third one is to recognize that whatever, whatever you see and you learn the action of doing, so what, what it, you know, perception, if we, if we have perception, it can't be altered necessarily. So basically, the, the perception is the illusion. Mm -hmm. So if we, if we see something, we cannot not see it yeah. again. So if you've learned, if you look at these paradigms where you see the old women and the young women, yeah. yeah, you cannot, if you, if you move your eyes slightly, you see the young woman. And if you hadn't seen the old woman, then if you move your eyes slightly, you see the old woman and then you see both. And the thing is, if you get shown or you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. So when you hear the truth, you can't unhear it anymore. Yeah. And that's so important because when, when we start to, to, to access that and we hear the truth, we start, out, we start igniting that part of our soul. Right. And our soul says, 
now's the time to find you. And very often this happens around when women are obviously going, going through a transition period, a biological yeah. transition, yeah. and we're moving into that. And that's when the soul is becoming very ignited because now it's recognizing the truths that it's learned and the soul is kind of saying, okay, we're done with all of this and we can move forward. So that's when the transformation really happens. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I think that's, and I think that's, you know, I think if we prepare mums right from the very start to first of all, have an awareness that their biology is going to affect how they are with their boys and girls. I think even just that awareness, you can talk to, you can, you can encourage your daughters more. Yeah. You yeah. can help them to stand in their, their space more yeah. and you can support them more. Yeah. And you can encourage boys to look after their sisters differently yeah. and that they can accept that. Yeah. And they don't see that as a suffering. So yeah. it's really because a lot of women find it very difficult to um, to accept help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Certainly, if they're working, because that means that you know they have all sorts of beliefs about that. Yes. And the so, feminine thing is to receive. Yeah, I mean your your three steps that you that you mentioned, they remind me of Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesha, which yeah. is creation, sustenance, and destruction, meaning recreation, coming into the new. So it's very much akin to the, you know, ancient knowledge systems of, of India. So I yeah. think, I think, and I, you know, I, I talk about, I mean, today I was doing a meditation and I was talking about the heart and, you know, I talk about the heart as like a binary star. You've yeah. got the, the blue, there's a kind of a blue and, and that's the immune part, which is the thymus gland that's just behind the heart. And then I talk about the red heart, which is the physical manifestation and, and you know how that is. And that's the fortitude. And, and then I talk about what's right at close by is the solar plexus, yeah. which is the mother, father, son, or yeah. the mother, father, daughter. You know, yeah. it's a trinity, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, I think everything is, in, in, in essence, a trinity to some degree. Right. And um, I wanted to talk to you about, you mentioned earlier, and we actually first met through NLP. Um, All right. Because I, I trained, well, not trained, I did train after I met you because you inspired me in NLP. All right. <laughs> neurolinguistic programming. Yeah. And I had, a, I had a few sessions with you. Um, so how do you think... Um, we can, I mean, it's very difficult here in India with the women that I work with because I work on a very grassroots level to mm. teach them about language because a lot of them aren't so sophisticated in their language. Mm. So um, I'm not sure what advice you would offer me. And also, how do you work with your uh, clients with regard to language and how that can change mm. the plasticity of the brain? Okay, so I think that there are a couple of things. Um, I think that although we have we we have the languages, maybe it may is me about teaching women how to how to even just notice when someone is talking in a different like if people are saying I'm seeing this. Yeah. That they notice those so those so the simple representation words like yeah. seeing, feeling, mm. smelling, those mm. kinds of 
representations of the systems, that they learn to answer in the same way. Yeah. So give so that they start to become aware that when we mismatch, yeah. we create disharmony. But when we match, we create harmony. We're more likely to get a a a bond on yeah. some level. Yeah. So maybe one of the first things is to is to teach them about that or maybe so if you if you're wanting specifically for language it's about looking at the structure in some way what is it that actually is doing the changing and we know that the representation system is one of the biggest the biggest ways on shifting things um the other thing i i mean i i often i i certainly always talk to women and I and I and I am so clued up that there's an idea of how to do a proper ask or how to do a proper stand for yourself Um, and and for me that is really about understanding that we we we, you know we may be 50% responsible for our communication in the relationship but we are 100% responsible for ourselves yeah yeah and that is so important. And when we get that idea then we, and someone is stuck, then it's about us recognizing that because we've noticed, yeah. then we have the flexibility. We are the ones it's on our onus to change it. Yeah. Our onus to change. Because we've noticed. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and that's the way I see it. So... The most important thing is how then you go, how can I step up enough that I can see how to shift this? Because mm-hmm. if I shift this, then I get my outcome. Is yeah. what I'm doing, is it okay? Yeah. If it isn't, I'm going to have to change something. Yeah. I'm going to have to do something different, not what I'm doing now. Because if there's a problem, you're in a pattern. Yeah. So it's really about shifting that. And then just sort of saying, being authentic. This is what I'm feeling. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's very simple. This is what I'm feeling. I don't know whether you meant to make me feel like this. Mm-hmm. Most people, if they are aware, they'll say, no, well, I didn't. What about the language of like, um, um, you know, like, is, you know, like not, not the blame language, like you made me feel like this. Um, no, I'm feeling this. Yeah. I don't know whether you intended this reaction. Yeah. yeah. Because what you're doing is you want to, you want the other person to, you want to bring awareness yeah. to what's happening for you. Yeah. That's without, all. Without blaming. Without them. blaming. No. Exactly. What you want, you want them is to be aware that something has happened and you want to honor that. Yeah. Because the, the reason we, oh, we go up like this is because we can't say what we need to say. Yeah. Yeah. That is what that's the problem. And we haven't learned how to how to say it. Yeah. But we, if we learn how to say it from ourselves, I'm I'm feeling this. Yeah. Give grace. I don't know if you in if 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 you, you know, if this is what you wanted or if this is what happened, but this is what this is what came up for me. Yeah. And then just wait. Find out. If they say, well, you know, I can't care, well, that's another story. But if they say, no, I didn't mean that, okay, then you say, okay, well, let's now see how we can create something that's much better. Yeah. Well, most, yeah. Men, most men here would say, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? 
<laughs> well, they might do, but it's about how you say it. You know, mm-hmm. if you say, if you, if you very, if you, I mean, I often just preface, I'm sure you didn't mind. I'm sure you didn't intend to hurt me. I yeah. often do that. I'm yeah. sure you didn't intend it because most people, when you address them, they, 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 they say, no, I didn't. So you say, okay, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. I did get hurt. So what I would like is, what yeah. I would like is this. Yeah. yeah. I, always, I often tell people a story <laughs> of my partner and I, when we first got together, he had, you know, he got, when he got into the bath, he washed the bath. Yeah. When I get out the bath, I wash the bath. <laughs> so I would get into the bath and it would be dirty. Right. And it would cheese me off. and then one day i thought you know what it is it's because we just have we just think about things differently okay and we have different pet things so i said to him i told him a story about a girl waiting for her lover and she met you know she went and she got into bed and she had rose petals coming to the to, to the bedroom and the lights and the candles and the scents and the husband got really excited when he came home. Ooh, ran into the bedroom, and as he jumped on the bed, he felt all the cr- the crisps that she had been eating. <laughs> I don't know how you're feeling right now, but he just went, oh. "Yeah, right." <laughs> and I said, "That's what it feels like for me yeah. when you leave the bath dirty." Yeah. And he said, oh. And then, he, then of course, he was a being smart person that he is, unfortunately. He said, well, that's what it's like for me when you leave the cupboard door open. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew, but, and, and it was true. It was true. It was a, it was a habit that I had. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. you, keep the, the, you, you clean the bathroom and I will make sure I keep the cupboards closed. Yeah. And, you know, it's an agreement that's been there. We've been together for 25 years. Oh, impressive. And that, and that is, you know, so it was, a, it, but it took a lot to do that. But it was a really important thing, was recognizing that we think differently. Yeah. And the map's not the territory. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's it. it. You know, they've got to find something that they can map into their and somebody else's world. But do you think um, uh, the woman has more power in this situation um, or in this world, let's say, than a man in terms of making a change? Do you think she's innately endowed with more power? Well, I think, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We're more endowed with power because we think as a collective. Yeah. We think as a collective and that's, that's the powerful thing. You know, we were taught that Darwin said it was all about competition. Actually, I don't think it was about competition. Yeah. I think it may have been some part of it, but actually it was culture is what brought us together to become powerful. Yeah. 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 So it's about the many, the many together rather than the one apart that then drives it. No, it's not about that. It's, it's about what comes together and you know you don't you don't have you're always going to work better with both your hands both your feet if you you know that's the optimum <laughs> if you have one off you're going to have to really adapt yeah mm-hmm. so part of it is really recognizing because we have this innate ability to want to connect 
to communicate. We have this empathy that allows us to see other. I think this is what we've really got to teach. And certainly I think we've got to learn how to teach our sons to do that. Yeah. To learn empathy. Because I know this sounds really crazy, but if you think about it this way, testosterone literally is an antagonist to actual growth in the brain. Right. In certain areas, certainly in the areas of the brain, which are very much involved with feelings. So testosterone breaks that. So if you look at um, aspects, if you think that a man is a ma- becomes male at eight weeks, yeah. and he's had testosterone, yeah. literally severing connections in a way, not helping that anyway, what happens is that when they're born, you know, they have... That that they 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 now got nine months, literally nine months of not having any of the estrogens, the, the amounts of estrogens. Yeah. So they're going to think differently, and then it's it's hard to say what's driving culture or or, or, or biology. But if you look at monkeys, yeah. there's no culture there as such. Male monkeys go for spot, shiny little things. Yeah. yeah, they go for all things, and women go for faith, and, and, and the girls take the dollies. Yeah. yeah. So there's something about bonding, and that's that, those are our hormones, yeah? yeah? And so it's really about understanding that, you know, we can learn to look for the shiny things, but mm-hmm. it does require a way of moving and thinking slightly differently. Mm. And, and maybe even just learning, you know, I was talking about trade. Other people think about trade and it's a very masculine word. But everything in our body is a trade. It's an exchange. It's just a different, if we use exchange instead of trade, yeah. then it becomes more feminine. Yeah. yeah. And it's easier for us to understand that. So yeah. it's really about learning how to use feminine words in a masculine paradigm have the equi- the equivalent across yeah i think that's a and really can... really beautiful way of expressing um things yeah yeah mm. so i think i you know that came through a meditation <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it just kept downloaded and i thought oh okay and it just said you really need to focus on looking at every word that you see that's a masculine word and see where the feminine equivalent is yeah. and use that because that will make that will drive you much much more to do the things because they fit with who we are yeah yeah so um yeah i think a lot of what you've said is in very much in line with the ancient indian knowledge systems and possibly the ancient you know way of life of many cultures perhaps i don't know i think it's all the same isn't it i think deep down it is all the same because when you when you step up into spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And the ancient Indian knowledge systems, I mean, we say Indian, but they were just happened to be intuited in yeah. India. They were actually universal and they crossed time and they crossed space. They were yeah. just universal truths. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was interesting when I went to the Egypt and you see that, you know, you see all the, uh, in, in the tombs and you see all the different kinds of, ways people had represented things and I thought but I'm here this is the same thing you know and I was going oh my god it's exactly the same thing 
Mm. So yeah, same stories, same myths, same, which means that we have this collective unconscious that is, that is driven. Yeah. Yeah. And when we tap into it, it gives an enormous power. Yeah. Okay, so that's really beautiful. And um, I love the last paradigm. And um, um, this might be a good point to conclude. So if there's anything else you'd like to add, um, please do so. No, I, I think we've talked about a lot. And hopefully, I mean, I think that, I guess the one thing that I really want women to truly understand, and, and, and for me, this is the, it's been my entire journey, is to really recognize that we, we you know, this, this aspect of ourselves that is always reflecting outward yeah. and just start to turn it inward for a bit yeah. so that we start to listen to ourselves a little bit more. Yeah. And really be kind to ourselves a little bit more. Yeah. Because we're quite good at being very judgmental of ourselves. Yes. <laughs> Pretty cruel to ourselves. Yeah. We need to be less so. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, use the same gentleness we use on for everybody else. Turn it towards ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. Yeah. I can be so kind and so, um, you know, to other people. But then when it comes to doing it to myself, it's like, you yeah. know. <laughs> it's I know. It's almost like we don't, we don't, you know, we don't deserve or whatever it is. But that's part of culture. And that's part of that ancient part of fitting into a system which allows, which, which, which is our survival, yeah. really. Yeah. It's our survival. We had to learn how to look outside and reference from looking at everybody else rather than going, hey, actually, but because it was so dangerous for us mm. to be outside the clan, to be outside, yeah. we fit in. And that's how we evolved. So... Yeah. I think we need to forgive ourselves for that. Yeah. And to look at it and say, that's just my biology. Yeah. That's just my biology. And, and, and understand that that biology is a wonderful thing. Mm. It makes us feel deeply. It makes us love deeply. And it makes us connect to heaven. Yes. You know, in the tarot, you've got male looking at female and female looking to God. Yeah. So what it's saying is that, women, that men must get into connection with their feminine before they can find God. Yeah. Women have a direct route. Yeah. Yeah. We do indeed. Exactly. Um, you know, we don't have to go in between anything. We just go there because yeah. we have that ability to feel. Yeah. I Let's was use it powerfully. Someone sent me something very beautiful yesterday. It's on Dasha Vidya. And Dasha Vidya is about the 10 Holy Mothers. And oh, yes. The ten holy kind of in, in you know uh, more, most pronounced qualities of a woman, and it was really beautiful, very very powerful, and and cognitive and powerful, and mm. from God, you know so it's everything together. And I just thought, wow, and um, it just really expressed the power of women. Um, yeah. This is coming from a very ancient culture, which you know uh, you know in today's modern India is not practiced so much. I have to say, but um, yeah. So but if we, if you know, if, if we can, and, and, and this is really important, I think as women, we need from a very, very young age to learn to just kind of go inside. We need to be able to reference that truth 
we, if our daughters are talking to us and we and and they're saying, I feel this, that we listen. Yeah, absolutely. And we listen and we say, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. I'm glad you're listening to you. Yeah. So if you're doing simple little things, she's going to listen more to her yeah. than to anybody else. Yeah. And she will use that as her guidance navigation system yeah. rather than something else. Yeah. And then you will find that on parity, she will make better choices that yeah. will allow her to, to stand in, yeah. in that realm and that dominion. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay, this so is that's my one, one wish and desire. Is that that's what we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm sure we could talk about this for hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's our favorite subject, isn't it? <laughs> So we can draw things to a close and yeah. I'd like to thank, thank you. you very much for coming on to this, um, to this video, this podcast or video cast, um, um, however we name it. And um, yeah, we look forward to you listening on YouTube and give, giving us your comments. Thank, thank you, you very much. And thank you very much for, for having me. Yeah, thank you.